Hi, I'm Judy Carter, and this is the Power of Purpose podcast, where we explore how to live a purposeful life and how creative people like yourself can make a living doing what you love doing. I was on Instagram Live, and I wanted to share with you this interview I had with comedian Paul Elia. And if you are wondering how how do you have a career in comedy? How do you get paid? How do you get gigs when everything seems to be an open micer? If, if your real purpose of life is being a comic, how do you do that? Well, I'd like to share the conversation Paul and I had because it really shows ingenuity on and that in the middle of a pandemic, how Paul produced a comedy show that even got him on The Tonight Show. So listen up and if you want to watch this recording and just see how attractive Paul actually is, um, come look at it on Instagram Live, Judy Carter Comedy. Enjoy. I just want to talk, I, this is what I love about Paul, okay? Oh, let's Paul, do you want to hear, can I, can I show you some love, Paul? Paul, I, you know, so many comics are such whiny bastards, don't you find? Like, yeah, I didn't, you know, there's just comics in the audience, so I don't want to go out, or I can't get a gig, and I don't know what to do. And, and Paul, whatever he does, he does so well. You need to follow him because he's super funny. Um, you want to steal his material, but don't do it. He's that good. Um, you got you to gotta follow him here on Instagram and on Twitter. And during... Um, when I wrote my book, um, when I wrote my book, I needed joke examples. And thank you, Paul, for helping me create this book, because uh, I said I need a comparison joke. I need I need um, um, dialogue joke. And you just know everybody, and it was so great for you to contribute to this book. And then I, I, I'm just going to go on a bit, and then I'm going to shut up. During COVID. This is what impressed me about you. During COVID, when all the other comics, again, whining, oh, everything's closed. What the fuck did you do? You did something that I thought was so friggin' creative and um, impressive. So tell everybody what you did to score gigs and put yourself on the map. And, you know, go ahead. Go ahead. Tell them about your project. Well, Judy, thank you for saying those things, you know, and just in terms of what you said earlier, I mean, I just think as an artist, it's so easy to complain and so easy to just find what is missing and lacking and not right. And it's sort of like we have this idea where it's like, oh, if I show up, then things should happen. But it's like you have to show up 100 <laughs> times. <laughs> if I get out of the house, I'm doing something. I'm yeah. Pajamas. Why isn't my career happening? Yeah, like 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 people are, you know, they they have this skewed sense of how the the business works. Like they think they think it's like this Cinderella story where they show up at a comedy club, they crush, and then all of a sudden it's like agents and managers and deals and it's like you have to do that a thousand times. There's some people now that still crush. They go to constantly going to show after show after show crushing for years. And they don't have a sitcom deal or TV deal or development deal with someone or sometimes even reps. Like there's some people I know that have over a million followers on some of these major platforms 
and they're still posting every day and doing stuff every day. And they're like, I don't have any reps. I don't have a touring agent. I'm booking it on my own. So that's just the philosophy that I identify with so much. And in lieu of that, like during the pandemic, when there was no comedy, I was just like, I can just do my own show. <laughs> I'm going to do my own show. I found during um, the pandemic, I was so frustrated from not performing that if I'm walking on the beach and I saw like 40 pigeons, I do a set. You know, I just, <laughs> <laughs> hey, where's Brain? Where are y'all going? Um, so, okay, so you're, you're, what you're saying is, is dead on is, is that everybody thinks like, if I do just this much, I'm going to get an agent manager. And, and, and the truth is, a lot of times when you get signed by an agent or a manager, that's when your career stops because you assume they're doing something. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, I don't know what's going on today. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So go on, tell, tell, I, you got, you guys got to hear what he did because it's, it's so fabulous. Yeah, and also I didn't have representation, you know, at the time. Yeah. I wasn't working with anyone, and I was just a lone wolf, and I was booking my own shows anyway, and I was making my own projects, and I was able to find a way to just, you know make a decent living off of just my own work. And then when the pandemic happened, uh, Matt Reif and I, we did a show at the comedy store for about a year. It was called low key upset. And then this, and then when, uh, there was the stay at home order, obviously there were no shows. We didn't perform for months. And then Matt Reif called me and he was like, Hey man, let's just do a show in my backyard. And (laughs) we, we showed up and then we, took some chalk we drew out where would the stage would be and we were like we'll put a truck over here that would be the stage so we don't need to buy a platform or whatever we'll use this truck as a stage like like a pickup truck with a flat back yeah yeah pickup truck and we used the the bed of the pickup truck as the stage and then we used the cab of the pickup truck to like put in our equipment and run wires and all this other stuff and his um the back of matt's apartment building had the technical capabilities for us to do this so then we just started doing shows and then we did one and it sold out within a you know a few days of posting the lineup and we were like if cops come and arrest us for doing comedy it is is what it is we're we had a plan in place we're like we're just gonna say we're protesting (laughs) what are you gonna say so the cops come and you say this is a protest and then (laughs) I was it's like, a funny a, protest. Yeah, this is a funny protest. Everyone gets an opportunity to come on the mic and talk. And then we were like, we're just going to say that and see what happens. So uh, thankfully, no one bothered us. We were able to do it unscathed. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And the neighbors didn't complain or anything? or No, they eventually complained. Complain. Like We did our third show. And basically what we would do is we would pay the neighbors to let us perform so like some neighbors are like hey you can't perform in the backyard so we're like look if we give you 50 bucks will you let us is that okay and then so people were accepting bribes <laughs> so you're bribing the neighbors yeah to do comedy you you've got in your pocket like it's a protest we can do this yeah and and you do and you do these shows and how often did you do these backyard shows uh we were doing them once every two weeks then we started doing them weekly and then you know at the time we were able to get access to huge comics like we had some 
know, we had Ali Wonk come by. Rami Youssef would perform regularly on the shows. Uh, Jeff Ross, Eliza Schlesinger, Taylor Tomlinson. She worked a lot of her special material on our show. Uh, Tom Segura popped in. I mean, we were just getting great names. And, you know, and thankfully the show is still popping. You know, we still do our show once a month. We're back at the Comedy Store. And then we do the outdoor show, uh, not as frequent, but we're still doing it. Oh, my God. And didn't you take, like, it on the road? Yeah, we took it to Detroit. We took it to San Diego. We took it to Lebanon. <laughs> Lebanon? Yeah. <laughs> driving to Lebanon. To Lebanon. Okay. <laughs> okay. All yeah, right. We, All right. Yes, because the show can be repurposed easily into an indoor show. So we started mm -hmm. doing it uh, indoors. And um, we just had like a uh, truck cutout that we put in the back of uh -huh. the stage just as an homage. Uh -huh. So it, the show can re easily be repurposed into an indoor show. So that's what we started to do. I, I just, I just love that. I love people who don't get discouraged from a door slamming in their face. They just find a, you know, uh, is this something else? A window that's open? I could do this. I, I mean, there's so many, so many things to that. So now the show hits. Did you get like a lot of publicity from it? Did you get it? Um, did, did people write about this or did it like, how, did it get, did you have like a following on Insta with the show? Does the show have its own thing happening? Yeah. Well, when we, it was interesting because when we started, I, I kept telling Matt Reif, the co-creator, I was just like, should we like hit up trades and see if they would write about the show? And then again, we're at this point where we're like, why are we adopting this philosophy of trying to find people? Let's just keep doing it on our own. And then let's see what comes of it. Like, let, no, let's not put press and ask people to accept us. Let's just do it. And that same week, a writer of Deadline, uh, Matt Grobar, came to our show, sent us a DM, did a write-up on it. So then we had the Deadline write-up that was really cool. And then uh, the Tonight Show, we were featured on the Tonight Show. We had a comedian, Jesus Trejo, record his Tonight Show set on the pickup truck. Oh my God! Which was so really cool. Now, yeah. Tonight show is coming to you. Like they're yeah. coming to you. And oh my God! Those of you who are just joining us, this is Paul Ilya. Paul is you all know Paul. You know his face. He's you know his material. He's absolutely hilarious. And we're talking about how not to give up. And during COVID, sometimes if you have a problem and all the clubs are are closed and there's no place to perform. He started doing backyards and on a pickup truck. And it ended up that he started attracting name comics. It started getting like totally sold out. All of a sudden now agents, TV shows, the night show is coming to him and recording the set. Was that during COVID that they did that? Because they couldn't find an audience, right? They were Right? Yeah, they, yeah. Everybody needed content with an audience because there was no way to get an audience except you friggin' did it. Yeah, thank wow. you. Gina. It was interesting. I mean, a lot of people were trying to pivot, and the people at the Tonight Show they still wanted to book comics, so they would tell comics, however it is, you can record your own set and whatever means you can do it, do it. Send us the tape. Make sure it's broadcast standard. And then we had a professional crew. We had uh, 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 
yeah, we had professional camera crew come by with professional sound and they came and recorded the whole thing. And, um, it was interesting because I, I, after we left, we left the truck on the property and, uh, we got a parking ticket for leaving the truck on the property. And it was the most hilarious moment. I was like, the stage got a parking ticket. <laughs> the stage got a parking ticket. <laughs> Oh my God, that's hilarious! I'd love to see you go in and fight that one. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's like some sometimes like the bad news is such the good news, which is so in this case. You're probably disappointed. Oh, they got vaccine. Oh, yeah. right. Oh, maybe monkeypox will become big. Right, <laughs> right. Come on, monkeypox. <laughs> oh my God. So now, now. What what advice can there's a lot of comics here and there's some really incredible people on this call as I see here. Um I see this this guy we had on, he's totally deaf and mute. Okay, his name is Aaron. And um but do you think that but he's like he's a really good writer and he uh, was uh did some material on the show and you think that would stop someone from being a comic. But he has this voice thing that it, he talks in his phone and it translates. I mean, writes in his phone, and then it translates for him. And he does stand-up um, via computer. And wow. he's hilarious. And he got, like, millions of views on TikTok. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> and his material is, I mean, he's really a good writer. Uh. So I, I just think a lot of people are going like, mm, I can't do it. I'm not feeling, you know, confident. I'm not feeling anything. I'm... I'm or or like me, I I wrote this book, the New Comedy Bible, and I got really intimidated to go back and and like do stand up. It's like, oh, she's not right. that good. <laughs> she wants us to give us advice. Shouldn't she be funnier? And it got, it just got like intimidating for me. But I went fuck it. So next week I go back. I'm going to start like doing sets for um, open mics. And do you have any tips for me, Paul? Well, I was going to say two things. I think that moment when we say fuck it is where all the gold is. Because there's so many reasons to not do something. And then when you just say, I agree, there's a great argument of why I shouldn't do something. It is scary. I may not be as good. It is intimidating. It is all that like just... Being able to say fuck it to all that and just go is the most crucial step because I think there's a lot of people who oftentimes they'll force themselves to do something, but they still don't have that fuck it attitude. But And then they're sort of doing it and it's miserable and they're not really feeling it. So I would say, Judy, you're in a brilliant – I mean, obviously you're a brilliant writer and comedian and you have so many accolades and, you know, you've uh, – you can and, give more. You can give more. I mean, I stop you. I'm no, a no, Jew. We choose to never get enough. You know, it's hilarious. I've had people call me and they were like, oh, my God. You, uh, Judy Carter shouted you out in her book. <laughs> I sure did. And people were telling I, me that. I sure did. I sure yeah. Did. Where are and, you? You're right in here. Yeah. Yeah. You're right here. All my love to Paul. I remember that night. Where, no. Where does it become erotica fiction? It's erotica. <laughs> yeah. 
As soon as you laugh, all eroticism is out the window as far as I can see. Shit, I broke it. Yeah, you broke it. Um, yeah, no, here it is. Oh, joke examples throughout the book to Paul Elia, who hung in there when I said, no, 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 that doesn't work. That's so you. Don't let, right. You're unstoppable. So, so your, your, your advice is, is just fuck it. Just like say that. And I agree because, you know, I always think like, oh, hecklers. And then I, then I started to think, well, fuck that. Nobody can say to me anything worse than what I say to myself. Mm. Right? Right. Right. Like, like no heckler can hurt me more than I've hurt myself and the horrible things I constantly say to myself on a daily basis. And so when I when I go, oh, if they don't laugh, well, it's like, fuck that shit. So everybody, let's all say it together. Ready? Fuck, fuck it. it. Everybody. Fuck, fuck it. it. You just we should get sell fuck it merch. <laughs> fuck it merch. Oh, yeah. See, I like Just coffee that. cups that say fuck it. <laughs> you know, a- another thing I was thinking, Paul, um, a lot of comics complain that mm, open mics, they're just a bunch of comics in the audience, right? Oh, geez, I, I don't want to perform to a bunch of comics. What do you say to that? Again, it's the same thing. It's like, fuck it. It's like, okay, there's a bunch of comics in the crowd okay, if you can make them laugh, like, honestly, some of the most biggest, most, some, some of the best jokes I've written have been in front of a bunch of comedians. And it's like, you just feel, you can really feel the joke. And sometimes you'll hear, sometimes even just a sound. Like, so I'll, like I'll do a temperature check. Like, I'll do, like, a temperature check joke where a joke that I know works well in an yeah. open mic. And I can, and I'll gauge the reaction. And like, if I hear like a, huh, I'm like, all right, it works. <laughs> you get a, huh. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Curb your expectation. Huh. Oh, I'm killing here. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Murdering with I these sounds. I got one guy in the corner with, huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. I, I also think, you know, when I do my corporate gigs, if I'm working for nurses, I'll do nursing jokes. You know, I'll do some jokes about, like, what it must be like being a nurse and, you know, just do jokes like that. Um, and then I start to think, well, if you're just working for comics and you are a comic yourself, why not do material just for comics? Like, I think that's funny. If you're going like, if, if someone goes, oh my God, a room full of comics, that means I'm killing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like the observations of what it's like to be a comic. And I went, oh, okay, I think I have a hook to hang things on. And and I think that goes, it goes with my brand of like, I wrote a book for comics. I know, I know about comics. So why not do material about us? Mm-hmm. And and how desperate we are to get laughs, and how it's so hard to find a place to perform, and you know, and subject matter along those lines. And I was thinking, oh, those are great topics, you know. So it it, it comes back to the, I guess, what we're really talking about is the problem becomes the solution. Is like whatever problem you have is your material, mm. is your career, is 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 the next question becomes. All right, what am I going to do to get past this? Right? What am I going to do 
to get past it because there's always a friggin' solution. Always a friggin' solution, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Isn't there? I mean, I think a lot of people think that their solution is that someone's going to come into their life. Is, are you on someone's property and the dog is barking, Paul? Are you, oh. are you under danger? Should we call the police? Oh, is the dog <laughs> that loud? <laughs> it's gone. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's not your dog, though, right? No, it's not my dog. I think it's... Uh... Well, maybe I can go to a less doggy sounding area. No, no, you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. okay. All right, you're okay. Um, all right, so, so, I guess uh, where were we? Yeah, my next there's, question. yeah. There's some dogs doing an open mic. There's some dogs doing. My next yeah. question is: If you have any questions you'd like to ask, ask me or Paul, come on and and join us. It, this time we're talking about um, of careers and. I guess turning a mess to success and 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 finding a solution. So what's next for you? Now that damn it, the pandemic is kind of whittled down. What's what's next for you? Right. Um I'm on tour right now. I mean, I did uh I was just in Colorado Springs doing some shows, so I'm uh building my calendar uh daily. Uh, so I got, by the way, if you want to, I will be in your city potentially. So make sure to check out my uh, link tree. I have links to different cities. Um, I'm, I got San Francisco and Detroit already in the books and I'm working on a couple more right now. So oh, cool. Now are yes. you doing this yourself? No, I have a uh, representation. Oh, how yeah. cool. you have representation. Okay. And so now they're, they're laying out where you're going. Yeah, but also uh, I'm I'm doing it on my own too. Like, there's also like like uh, I'll book one nighters on my own, and different organizations will contact me like, hey, do you want to come here? And you know, so I'm I'm filtering a lot of stuff, and then filtering stuff through my reps and having them organize it. And then um, uh, I'm on an animation project right now, so I'm recording that. So things are good, you know. I'm like working and. I'm so happy. I mean, you've really jumped. You really jumped in your career. You really have. And wow. And so it's like, like, like getting from, what would you say besides now we have fuck it, okay, to your critic, fuck it, go out, put yourself out there. You know, we need to get as much stage time as possible. Do you have any opinions about, of all the stuff we joke about, what how do we? How do you pick your topics? I mean, you know, you and I can make anything funny. We can, you know, look at a chair and we'll make that funny, right? Right, right, right. So how how do you pick what you're going to write about? I mean, how is it? Is it completely organic? Like, okay, whatever happens comes to you that morning or whatever. And you've been right. You've been. Tell me a little bit about your your creative process and how you do it. Or do you think of something? A joke, and you go, well, I'm going to give that to a friend because that's really not my brand. So how conscious are you about, like, your brand of comedy and what you do and what you write about? Uh, I'm very aware of the branding and, like, what my style is and, like, what uh, my style of humor. Like, you know, I don't really do a whole lot of, like, dirty material. So it's, like, if I think of, like, some dirty joke, I'm just, like, you know, I don't really move in that way, at least right now. You know, so I'll like file it away and I'll put it in different categories, but it's really inspiration just comes when it comes. Like sometimes I'll see something and I'm like, oh, there's something funny about that. Then I'll just write that down and then I'll go to that. 
And then I'll like, even yesterday I was with my buddy and he was like, have you heard of, uh, he's like, there's this type of memory where there's people that can remember dates and they did an experiment where they were like, what happened on August 9th, 2006? Like August 9th, 2006, that was a Wednesday and this happened and this happened. And we're watching this documentary about these people that have these types of memories. And I was just like, man, it would suck to date somebody with that type of memory. And it's like, <laughs> oh, you mean August 8th when you forgot my birthday, which was a Wednesday and it was 78 degrees outside? Right. That. <laughs> that's why we can put a tag on that. And that's why I hang around assisted living going, hey, you, boomer <laughs> with the dementia, come on over here. <laughs> right. It's like, I want to just date someone with dementia. It's like, you also yeah. forgot our anniversary and other things. So, so, and then I started thinking about that. I'm like, oh, there's something funny about that. So I immediately was attaching dating to this memory thing. And, and I think it comes from a real place. Cause it's like, I'm in a relationship right now. And um, there has been times where like, I will tell her a story that I already told her. Oh, and, yeah. and then she gets upset that I'm retelling a story. And I was like, I don't know why you're so angry at reruns. Like, <laughs> like this is an awesome story that I'm telling again. I'm telling again, and I have a slight new turn on it. Yeah, and I'm always adding more information to the stories and exaggerating the plot, but it doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. Like, she goes, I'm I thought comics. you said, yeah, she goes, I thought you said it was three people. And I was like, no, it was nine people that tried to fight me. You know? <laughs> she goes, before they were kids. I'm like, no, they were MMA fighters, actually. Does your girlfriend have black and blue marks on her arm from you going, oh, listen to this. Wait, listen, wait. I got another one. Listen to this. No, because like, her arm is like black and blue. Hilarious. Because, like, we actually, like, her and I were watching uh, some uh, comedy. Like, we were watching uh, my buddy Mo Amar has a TV show on Netflix that's streaming right now. And, like, we're watching it. And I'm like, as I'm watching, I'm like, like, grabbing her and, like, because that comics, you know, com comedy is very physical. Yeah, yeah. So, and then so I'm like grabbing her like this, and she's like, "Ow!" I'm like, "Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to do that." I'm like, it's just so funny. Yeah, but she does that to me too. Like, she laughs like a comic, and it's so Is she interesting. A comic? Like, no, she's a she's, dentist. You're going out with a dentist? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Okay. So you're you're you've definitely cheered up her life. Okay. Yeah, and also, I was like, this is such a great business, because I'll make people laugh. They show their teeth, and you give them your cards. So it's just like, <laughs> you know, we're actually making money here. That's so I look at it. That's good. And then, That's and then she, th there was another thing that we talked about that was interesting, because uh, she was talking about how her, she's from Venezuela. She got a degree in Venezuela. Mm -hmm. In America, America does not acknowledge her degree or her accolades as anything valid. And then my thought was like, but aren't, Basically, America's like, listen, teeth are different here. They're not the same. <laughs> and there's other protocols that you need to know here. And then I was like, oh, there's something funny about the idea that someone's saying teeth are different in different parts of the world. So I basically wrote that down. And I'm like, yeah. that's something I can build from here. So, But a lot of it is based on reality. Like, I don't like writing from a place of fiction. Like, it has to be real for me. And it has to be something to actually care about. Like, I feel like now, especially as I'm getting older and as I'm doing more comedy, I'll go through my Rolodex of jokes. And if it's not something I genuinely care about, it just doesn't sound the same. It's sort of like, even yeah. right now, I, I, as we're talking right now, like comedy is something that we care about. So the people listening, it just, 
it's just filtered different. It sounds different. It comes from a different place. And when we're talking about shit that we don't care about, it's just, it doesn't yeah. sound the same. And it's not something that I really want to do. I don't want to spend my time talking about topics and jokes that, oh, here's a clever idea. It's like, it needs to be a clever idea and something that I care about in order for me to just feel fulfilled. And that's really what I think I'm using my talents and skills and experience for is to write from a place of fulfillment and truth. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally get it. Have you ever had the experience of you do a joke that's been killing, 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 and then nothing? And it's because you've outgrown it. It's no longer authentic. Maybe it's a joke about being single, but you're really with somebody. Right? Um, mm -hmm. Or you've just outgrown the joke or you're too old for the joke. I had a joke where just overnight it stopped working. It was like, ah, it's hard. You know, women in their 30s, um, men in their, wait, women in their 30s start thinking about having children and men in their 30s start thinking about dating children. <laughs> okay. uh, right? It was like, all right. So, and then, but I was in my 40s, right? I'm doing the joke at 45, right? And I'm not even, you know, dating men at this point. And, and it's like the whole joke, although same exact delivery, same exact everything, like crickets. And, and I think it's because there's a connection to our material um, that... We have to have, and it's not saying, like, a lot of people listen to this, and we've got to wave at people. Um, a lot of people will listen to this and go, okay, I'm just going to talk about what happened today. But that's not really it. You've got to do something with it, right? you got to, like, you got to mix in something, like you said, mixing in, um, uh, what, what were you talking about? This thing about memory. Okay, so I was look, looking at it, but you mixed in about dating into it, right? So then it becomes, mm -hmm. it becomes something, you know, like that. It's, I find, it's like you have to mix in something. Like I, I, I did a surf lesson yesterday, and I'm, I've been playing with that today, that idea, because I was, I failed miserably. And what the fuck was I thinking at my age do a surf lesson where my, my only athlete, <laughs> What I consider myself successfully athletic is when I get into my underwear without falling over. Like, oh, Hilarious. Sides, right? And I'm going to be surfing. Then I just kind of pictured me on the da 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 that, you know, on the board. And I just, I understand there's kneeling boards. Right, right, <laughs> I'm just, right. I'm just going to stick to boogie boards. I couldn't do it. But it was like humiliating. It's like, and then, but I think we have to deep dive into our material a little more and just go, well, what does this mean? Is this about age, really? Is this about embarrassment? Is this about keeping up with the group? Is this about, like, there's so many different elements when you really deep dive into your, the events of your life and turn it into material. And I think a lot of people don't take that time to go, like, what does this really say? What am I really, what's the message to the audience? Yeah, and I think it's just the more we do it the more we see it and like you know i i think that's what i always tell comics because comics are they're trying to microwave their material they want it to be ready and kill and it's like there's not enough there yet it needs more honesty and it needs more reality and in, and i want to feel it more and uh -huh. and you know so i feel like uh, also you said something interesting in terms of uh hearing crickets you say something and you hear crickets it's like crickets are the most honest 
insects. <laughs> <laughs> because when you're when you're killing insects, don't say shit. <laughs> like if you're doing well, insects are fucking. They're they're also laughing. <laughs> and then, and then when it's silent, you hear that that scary sound of crickets, which is what so many people care about. But like hearing a cricket actually lets you know, okay, it, this isn't complete. It's not done. And it's like, yeah, you know, in, in any other sport, I mean, it's always the same thing. It's like, imagine a basketball player takes a three point shot and he misses, then he just quits the game and he goes, oh, "I'm not good enough. I fucking suck." It didn't go in. It's like, yeah, bro, how many more shots do you have? And it's like in a comedy set, sometimes you have 18 jokes and nine of them bomb. And then the other nine do well. And it's like, that's not a good average. In comedy, it's like, you know, if you have one joke that doesn't hit as hard as the others, you can lose a lot of trust and lose a lot of momentum. And it's same thing. Like if you're making five shots in a row and you miss one, then all of a sudden you start missing all of them. Then you're like, that was a shitty set. And it's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I try to like engineer the set. I'm like, all right, where's the weak part? Oh, this part does not work because it's not clear enough. And I'm like, what is not clear about this? And then I'll like be like, oh, okay, I understand why it's not clear because I'm not using the right tense. And I think it's like I had this joke where uh, I talk about how me and my girlfriend, we met on uh, Instagram. And she doesn't like telling people that. So she tells people we met through a mutual friend. And then... Uh, my original punchline is who Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> and then I changed it. I changed it. And I was like, me and my, uh, we met on Instagram. She was like telling people that. So she says we met through a mutual friend. So shout out to Mark Zuckerberg. Thank you, Mark. And then when I did it in a way where I'm actually giving props to Mark and talking, I actually found more punchlines and more places for me to go just from changing the tense. So oftentimes, you know, and a lot of this is stuff that I learned from your book. And it's just like, you know, you got to say how you feel about something before you talk about it. You got to be like, dating yeah. is hard, you know, or the, the crazy. Hard, weird, scary, stupid. Yeah. And, and like, you know, if people were to say something like, you know, the thing about dating is, it's like the thing about dating isn't specific enough. You know, the frustrating thing about, the hilarious thing about, you know, which is, you know, hilarious isn't that strong of like a, yeah, a no, word. So that, yeah, we'll, we'll let you know how hilarious it is. I think that's always a mistake. I think it's, I, I, I just found, um, um, I didn't invent this, although it's in my book, but those words, hard, weird, scary, stupid, are what most working comics use or indicate. It's like, you know, because you can indicate stupid with, ah, oh, Trump's reaction to the FBI search is like, you know, you can do stupid without having to go, yeah, the stupidest response. But the words kind of make people go, oh, what was stupid about it? Oh, boy, did I have a hard date last night. Oh, what was hard about it? it it's kind of, it's, it's, uh, I'll tell you, boy, um, you know, this new law is scary. I want to know why. And, and you know what's weird? Oh, what? What? So, so I think they're they're psychologically pull an audience into you when you start with an emotion. You know, um, otherwise it's 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 so it's so flat. But yeah, and when it's a real emotion, it's just <clears throat> like how you really feel. Because like some people write to like based on what they think could be funny. Like it would be funny if I thought this was scary. But in reality, they actually find it healing. 
So, and I think it's mm. funny if you just say the reality of it, like going through a breakup is healing as a, cause they'd say they felt like from their experience is genuinely healing rather than going through a breakup is scary. And it's like, they're crafting based on what they think could be funny. And I'm always trying to write from a place of honesty and like what I genuinely think. And there's been times where I've said what I genuinely think and feel about jokes and topics. And I've seen people in the audience like, what? And I'm not letting that discourage me because I'm like, listen, I'm being honest. Like, go ahead. Like, I'm opening the floor for that type of reaction. I'm opening the floor yeah. for this. Well, I'm I like, mean, go ahead. I, I just think, did you see Hannah Gatsby's first uh, uh, Netflix special? You know, she was a student of mine. And I, I met her when I was in Australia um, teaching there. And, and she, you know, how she gives up stand-up in the middle of her act and talks about how it reduces her to a stereotype. So she starts her show with, with jokes about being butch, you know, and then at the end she kind of gives up on it. And it, it made me cry. And she was okay with that. And I thought it was... The, and I know a lot of guy comics were, were just going, oh, what is it, a TED Talk or a stand-up? It wasn't stand-up. I mean, it was really good stand-up. Um, and look at her Emmy. Uh, and then she did another hour special. And, and I just, I love the willingness to be so vulnerable like that. Just so, and it was so the truth. And when she said it, I mean, it's called Nanette. Everybody has to watch this. But when she said it at that moment, she was feeling it, which is rare. You know what we do, Paul. You know the big lie that we do. We're, we're always doing material pretending we're just thinking of it in the moment. And it's stuff that we've like labored over in the big lie. The big This is the big lie that we just go, well, I'm just up here being funny. And then you get these students that I've had who come into my class and go, well, I'm not going to prepare money, you know, material. I'm just going to get up there and be funny, just like Robin does. And I, I did an HBO comedy special with Robin, and we all had to rehearse. And he knew exactly where he was going to stand when he did this Shakespeare thing, and then I'm going to go here and I'm going to do this. I mean, it was rehearsed. Of course, moments of spontaneity and improv, and he's a genius improver, but... You worked it. You know, mm -hmm. we all work it for the big lies. And to be present on stage and get back in touch with that moment where we originally created that material. Yeah, yeah. my buddy told me a quote that Jerry Seinfeld said. Maybe you would uh, say it better than me, but he said that if you see somebody on stage and it looks like they're so effortless, that actually means that on stage and it looks effortless that's actually they put more effort in like i can't remember what the exact yeah. quote was but it just yeah. it, it was it was really interesting because it's so true and it's like the more uh, off off the top you see somebody the way it feels they're actually putting in more effort because they put in more time in, into it to make it feel like it's just something they just the, so spontaneous and something they just thought about like that's the real magic trick and in order to do that it needs to come from a place of reality you know like i mean but don't get yes. me wrong there, there's some people that have been able to write bullshit and they're so funny they've been able to get away with it but it doesn't have that 
that icing, that thing that just takes it to another level for me, at least, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's not put down Carrot Top's career. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to thank my guest today, Paul Elia. Thank you so much for being here and chatting. There's nothing more fun about chatting about comedy. And do you have, like, um, first of all, go follow Paul on Instagram, and you can see where he's performing because there's nothing. Get out of the friggin' house. Start, you know, people say, how do I get comedy gigs, Paul? How do I get it? How do I, you know, get my foot in the door? Just start hanging around comedy clubs. Get out of the friggin' house. Mm -hmm. And it just magically happens. You talk to this person, go, oh, hey, do you want to write together? Hey, let's be comedy buddies. It's a very organic thing. And it's never going to happen sitting in front of the computer. So you got you just got to get out and start participating in the world of comedy and, you know, get up and, and, and do it. So go follow Paul. Um, anything else you'd like to say to people, Paul? Well, uh, if you live in Los Angeles, I will be at the Comedy Store September 6th. We are doing a low-key comedy show at the Comedy Store in Belly Room, 8 o'clock. If y'all want to come, please uh, at the comedy store tomorrow night, eight o'clock. Uh, okay. Next uh, next Tuesday, September sixth. All right. Well, go to his. You have that link, fancy link tree. I'm trying to figure out. And <laughs> and and everybody, please follow both of us. So, because I'm I'm going to be having a lot of fun watch parties. I'm starting to learn how to use Instagram a little more and really connect with people. I like to really thank all the people who who were here. Thank you. I, you know, I just got back from Brazil. I guess I can't say just got back because it was two, three weeks ago. Um, and to all my buddies in Brazil who the, the comedy is just starting to explode there. Um, the comics, there were no comedy clubs and now, you know, the comics got successful and they were performing in theaters and now they bought comedy clubs and you wouldn't believe it. Do you know what the name in uh, San Paulo is of the comedy club, Paul? What is it? My Big Fucking Comedy Club. My Big <laughs> Fucking Comedy Club? Is the name of it. And it's right there on the street. My Big Fucking Comedy Club. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I know. They don't have as much censorship as we have in the yeah. U.S. You know, it really surprised me. It's hilarious title. <laughs> he goes, let's just call it My Big Fucking Comedy Club. Oh, guess what? So this is, um, this was uh, Daniel, uh, Danielio. Natetti. He's very famous. He's like the uh, Jimmy Fallon of uh, Brazil, and he speaks Portuguese, and he's um, um, it's, so he invited me on his TV show when I was in Brazil, because he learned from my book. And so we're on the show, and I go, the name of your club is the Big Fucking Comedy Show? I can say fucking on TV here? Oh, yeah, it's fucking everything. Yeah, we just started. Just yeah, yeah. I go, oh my God, this is so much. You know, we think of America as like we're free, not so much. Yeah, yeah. no, no, not at all. And also, I, I do want to say <laughs> this: if if you haven't purchased Judy's Comedy Bible and ah. you're interested in comedy, it is uh, it, it taught me so much about because I think a lot of people just you know a lot of people who go into comedy are just leaving. Some most of them I feel are have an academic background, and there's something about they need to learn like how to structure something. And it is such an amazing uh, piece of content. Definitely check out the book. Definitely uh, read the examples. It's just so great. Yeah. Read the example that he got. And matter of fact, it's so funny. 
it's I you know signed a deal to go to China, and <clears throat> thanks for turning me on to the comic who's going to help me. And China said, "We love the book. We're publishing. It's translating Mandarin now. Can you cut out?" The book is about how to be your authentic self. So cut out any mention of religion, ethnicity, and homosexuality. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> yes, and go be yourself. All right. Well, we have that freedom to be ourselves here. So everybody, make use of it. Get out there. Thanks for being here. I'll see you next week. Thanks so much, Paul. Take care. See you, Judy. See everybody. For your special gift. Go to themessageofyou.com. That's themessageofyou.com and get your free one-year subscription to the Message of You University, which is full of lessons to help you find your message and turn it into a book, a TED Talk, or a paid speaking career. That's themessageofyou.com.